All gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into now we have liftoff New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, John June. Got my guy here, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's going on, man? What's going on, John? Letting you know right now I'm full of piss and vinegar today, bro. Okay, man. Well, that's uh that's that's fine, I guess. I'm <laughs> a bit less uh less full of such substances. I'm more of a you know, even keeled. I you know, we're obviously going to break down and react to the game. Uh, when we post this, we're, we're going to put Frank reacts. Uh, you know, what is the, what, what is all those ESPN things that Frank Frank angrily reacts to the Jets Panthers games just so we can get a lot of clicks on it? Yeah, um, and they don't angrily react to it at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but Frank, full of uh, yeah, you know, is going to be very angry today. So anyway. <laughs> Breaking down the Jets Panthers, also going to break down news and injuries. Also, going to break down week two, look ahead to that game against the New England Patriots. And we're going to give out some locks of the week uh, after your boy over here, this guy, John, went uh, 2 0 last week. So, um, yeah, it's going to hopefully be a, a repeat of that. But uh, we're going to, hopefully, it's not a repeat. But for a little bit of foreshadowing. But anyway, let's jump into the action that was the Carolina Panthers versus the New York Jets. And this game ends with a 19-14 loss for the Jets here. Um, you know, Zach Wilson overall, 20 of 37, 258 yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception there. Um Let's just talk about his day, you know, because that's obviously the, you know, the the debut that everyone had been waiting for. We've obviously seen him in the preseason, but we get him now in the regular season, first live game action for four quarters, some adversity. What were your thoughts, Frank? I was pretty impressed with Zach. I thought he showed a lot of poise on – mounting a comeback in the second half after he totally got his face beaten in in the first half. Uh, he looked like he stepped up into the pocket well, and we got to see, unlike in the preseason, that escapability that everybody was talking about, that natural uh, clock that he has in his head. I, I was talking to you earlier about that play where he got sacked, where he juked like Six guys. It looked, he looked like he was playing Madden out there. Yeah, I mean, he was under pressure all day. Six sacks. Um, you know, had was under a ton of pressure over fifty percent of the time. Um, you know, I, I posted a stat the other uh, just yesterday on my Twitter uh, at JR Football Nerd um, that the Carolina Panthers I was tracking which NFL defenses created the most havoc. So quarterback hits, sacks, tackles for loss, pass deflections, interceptions. And the Carolina Panthers were the number one team in the NFL in that category in week one. 52% of the time they created havoc. 
And so Zach Wilson under immense pressure all day, but he was, you know, he was a little uneasy at first. I think, you know, it wasn't that it was too big for him, but it was more just, um, you know, he was dealing with a lot of pressure in his first NFL game. Um, you know, an, an actual game plan, a defense that was game planned against him. You know, he's facing some adversity there. So, you know, I, th- I think he, he definitely showed uh, early that he, you know, could struggle a little bit being a rookie, but I think he bounced back really well, showed his resolve, uh, was able to, after getting shut out in the first half, essentially drive down and get points in the second half, was able to, um, you know, took a monster hit, uh, it, you know, late in the fourth quarter, you know, near the end of the game, two plays later, gets up and throws a touchdown pass to Corey Davis. So it just shows you his, his not just his physical toughness, but his mental toughness at that point in the game as well. Um, you know, just did, didn't get the two-point conversion. But I think he showed, like you were saying, his playmaking ability. Um, C.J. Mosley said after the game that we're going to win – Jets are going to win a lot of games with number two at quarterback because he gives them a chance because of that playmaking ability that he has uh, and that arm talent that he has that was on display many times on Sunday. Yeah, with yeah, without a doubt, John. Um, like that touch, the first touchdown pass to Corey Davis was legit. Like him rolling out to his right and just throwing a dart out there for to Corey Davis was great to see. And and then you saw the second touchdown to Corey Davis. You saw him stay in the pocket, five step drop, right at right to Corey Davis, where only Corey Davis could catch it. Yeah, and that that route was I mean that play was was great too because it was, you know, there was um th- like he threw that ball well before Corey Davis broke on his route and so it just kind of shows you that chemistry that they have there uh and the timing and you know uh, uh you know I think even the incompletion that he had to Corey Davis uh we were talking about earlier the one in the first quarter uh where he you know he rolls out and um, you know, evades Brian Burns and, you know, outruns Brian. He's like, I don't think we, like we haven't, I don't think I even really processed that Zach Wilson basically spent most of his afternoon outrunning Brian Burns, running away from Brian Burns. Brian Burns is an athlete. Like we're talking a legit sub four or five speed here for, for a defensive end and Brian Burns. And so, uh, it might actually be even faster than that. It might even be four four. Um, but either way, um, you know, Zach Wilson was, on, you know, the athleticism was on full display on Sunday. So I, I'm definitely excited. We're excited. We've been excited about Zach Wilson for a while now. You know, we're this just kind of, you know, just kind of highlights some of the things that we we thought that we would see. Uh, let's move on to the run game, which for the most part was really non-existent. Uh, the New York Jets muster up 45 rushing yards between the three the three starting or the three main running backs, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and, and Michael Carter. Uh, Ty John or Tevin Coleman led the backfield in in carries at nine. Ty Johnson and Michael Carter each saw four piece. Um, Mike uh, Ty Johnson and Michael Carter each had one target in the pass game. 
Tevin Coleman wasn't used in that fashion. But what what did you what was your overall impression of how the running backs were used? I was pretty disappointed that Ty Johnson wasn't used more. Um, I kind of felt like going into the year that Tevin Coleman would be used more, but like you saw Ty Johnson on that one run where he, I think he rushed for like 12 or 13 yards or one cut and go, you know, and I think that's what you're going to need right now, especially as this offensive line gels, because those, those holes are not going to be big for these running backs to start this season as they get used to each other, as Michael Carter gets integrated into this offense. So I think it's going to be important, a running back like Ty Johnson, that's going to run North and South and get those positive yards to keep Zach out of those second and longs and third and longs to make those third down conversions easier to make. Yeah, definitely. I think Ty Johnson should be more involved here. Um, you know, the running game wasn't great as a whole. Uh, definitely left a lot to be desired. But like we talked about prior to this game, this run defense here or this this front seven for Carolina is actually better than people think. So, you know, that I think that has somewhat some to do with it, right? But, um, you know, Michael Carter, he did look good. I don't think he looked – he didn't look good in the run game. Um, per se, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't think the vision's quite there yet. I don't think he's he's really seeing things the way that that you need to see it right now for uh, for an NFL running back in this scheme. But from a pass game perspective, I know he had that one egregious drop, but he had there was one reception, um, there was one reception that he had that you know he he basically boogied up for a first down and shows some of that kind of that wiggle and that that juice that we haven't had at the running back position in a while and some of the reasons why I had comped him to Alvin Kamara in terms of his skill set and the way you can use him in space and things like that and so I think if we can get him more involved too I think that that would be that would be nice to, to have him in the pass game yeah, man. Uh, without a doubt, you got to get uh, Michael Carter involved, Ty Johnson involved. Hopefully, P. Ryan's not out for too much longer, so we could get him involved. But at, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to this offensive line. And after I broke down the game, I came to the conclusion that Connor McGovern, I don't know what he needs to do, but and I know he was going against a top-tier defensive tackle, but he's got to be better. The, there were countless times where the line of scrimmage changed on his account. And if you're getting blown back as a center, that's going to make it hard for the Jets to run that stretch play that they want to run. Uh, and to that effect, it makes it harder for McGovern – to make his block when his center is not being able to get the push. So you're not going to be able to get to the second level. It was just really disheartening to see them revamp the offensive line and for them to not be able to run the ball at all on Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was definitely odd for sure. Um, 
you know, Morgan Moses not getting the start at right tackle definitely surprised a lot of people. Uh, the fact that, honestly, that after signing Morgan Moses the way they did and, and touting him as a tackle and or starting tackle and, you know, granted, yes, they talked about competition being there and whatnot, but um, once they, you know, it got closer and they were, there was no definitive answer about who the starting right tackle was, I it became pretty obvious to me that it was going to be George Fant. Um, but it didn't help that we couldn't run the ball on Sunday and we know what Morgan Moses can do as a run blocker. Uh, and, and now it kind of, it kind of screws the jets, right? Because we, we, we lose Makai Becton, which we're going to talk about that in, you know, in a little bit, but that means George Fant is going to go to the left side. Morgan Moses is going to go to the right. And now you have to run right. Cause you can't run left. And, and before when we, when we were getting Morgan Moses, um, you we thought that you were going to be able to run to either side left or right that you could be an uh an ambidextrous team in terms of in terms of your running uh your running game but you know now they were going to they're just going to be you know a right-handed run team now which was just an odd way to start the game it was just you know odd f- uh to kind of see that how that broke down but uh let's move on to the wide receiver position frank and uh, Corey Davis, man, uh, came through big time, uh, showed why he's a number one receiver, uh, five of seven targets, five catches on seven targets, 97 receiving yards, caught two touchdowns in this one. If you follow my work on the Jets press, he was in my player props article, which I'll be doing weekly over at the Jets press. So make sure you check out that content. But also, my start of the week on the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast, so I had to get that plug in there. But Corey Davis, phenomenal day there. What did you think of uh, his performance on Sunday, Frank? Man, he's a true number one. He's such a dog. Like, the passion that he plays, like, every time he makes a big play, like, like I feel like jumping through my TV and just start scream, screaming like I'm an offensive lineman for the Jets. Like, I, I really thought he was a – probably the highlight, probably the MVP of the game for the Jets. First down catches. You, It's crazy to see the chemistry that he has with Zach Wilson already. Like everyone talked about the chemistry and training camp with Zach and Elijah, but it seemed like him and Zach were on the same page the whole entire game. Like that was his number one target. It's going to be interesting this week to see – to see what happens because you know Belichick likes to take away what you do best. And right now that's Corey Davis. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. I mean, there, there's no Stefan Gilmore, so that's going to make it a little bit tougher there. But they'll definitely do their best there, um, the New England Patriots will. But the one thing that, you know, I, I think was evident was like you said, the chemistry that they have, it, it was pretty evident from day one, um, you know, from that, basically that second preseason game against the Packers, you could see that, okay, this thing is really building here. Uh, those two men have a lot of respect for one another, Zach Wilson and Corey Davis. And so I think that that's just going to continue to, to show itself on the football, on the football field on Sundays and Thursdays. And I think on Monday once or here or there, but either way, um, Elijah Moore, man, that's that one. That one hurts, man. Uh, not the day that we were expecting, 
from him, not the impact that maybe we were expecting from him. Uh, had uh, four targets, one catch uh, for minus three yards. Uh, did drop a what would have been a 50-yard bomb. Um, also had a 33-yard reception called back. So, but uh, due to a penalty, so um, definitely bigger days, better days are ahead for Elijah Moore, but uh, definitely would be, I would be lying if I said I was not disappointed. Oh, I knew coming into today that that was going to be your take because that's, that's your guy right there. But I don't know, like I, I feel like I didn't expect him to have a crazy big day because he's coming off of a quad injury. That's a that's a tough injury to come back from, and that's going to reduce his speed a little bit. And that's Elijah's whole thing is that he's he's quick, he's fast, he's a great route runner. And this was his first game action. So, like I always say, we need to have some patience here. But – uh I will tell you, I was disappointed that the Jets didn't um, give the ball to or give some more playing time to Mims this past Sunday. Yeah, just just want to uh, correct you on one thing. I know you said the. I I don't know why this. I have this information in my brain. Actually, I do know why uh, Edwin Poros, doctor of physical therapy, was on my fantasy football diagnostics podcast to talk about injuries, and the quad is actually one of. The better, the easier ones to recover from because it's four muscles, and so uh, it's actually easier to overcome than say like a calf injury. Just throwing that out there. It's, no, but uh, to your point, Mims should have absolutely played more. You know, he gets in three three plays, three routes, forty yard reception. I mean, he absolutely should have gotten more playing time. I mean, Robert Sala spoke during a press conference and said that he the expectation from the receivers is you got to know all three receiver positions otherwise you know you're not you're just going to have a hard time you're going to have a hard time getting on the field and so he said that Barrios and company they know those position spots those different position spots and they're able to give somebody a break because they feel that their receivers should be playing close to 100% of the snaps unless they're tired or injured or something that they can't go but it would be it would be encouraging to see them use Mims as a situational deep threat or you know a you know he's a pretty good blocker so like it would be help it would for at least for me it would be nice to see them incorporate him more into the offense yeah i bark scott said something interesting on his show today he said don't tell me what a player doesn't know tell me what a player does know and don't tell me what a player doesn't do tell me what a player does do and I feel like that's the problem we got in problem into with the last coaching staff that we tried to fit all these players into the scheme instead of trying to use maybe change up the scheme to fit these fit these players and you can't tell me that Mims doesn't have more talent than Burrios. And you can't tell me that Mims doesn't have more talent than only getting two game reps. 
you know, we talk about, or Salah talks about how he wants to have these young guys trial by fire. You know, that's why we didn't get a veteran cornerback. That's why we're playing, we were playing two young linebackers, yet it comes to Mims and he only gets two game reps. How is this kid supposed to get better if all he's getting is two game reps, John? Yeah, no, I, I scheme well enough. And I think, you know, that's definitely a difference. But, um, yeah, he should he should get more playing time, even if it's just situationally, even if it's just as a uh, as an occasional deep threat or an option there in the red zone or something. I mean, there's no tight end presence on this team. Tyler Croft, he played okay. Um, you know, Trayvon Wesco, he was okay as well. But there's no tight end presence on this team. Use Mims as this big physical target down the middle of the field as your middle of the field presence. And, and, and he blocks wins. well. He so, blocks well. Not saying to move him to tight end. No, no. Like this isn't Madden, right? But we're saying that he can do some of the jobs that you would ask a tight end to do. And I think that, you know, he can help out this offense in the pass game a lot. He can help this offense in the pass game, in the run game. I just think he could help this offense. Like, Berrios had a solid game yesterday, but when they're running the ball, are you confident that Berrios is going to be able to block anybody out on the edges? I'm not. No. No. Um, and, and we've seen it with Mims that he's he's capable, and he and that's the thing with Mims. He likes blocking out on the edges for those running backs. Like he takes that's a that's a pride thing for him. Yet. The last two coaching staffs, we don't see him get the reps that he needs to get to be an effective football player to further his career. Yeah, I mean last, I mean last year suffered some injuries. was was definitely on the field when he got when he was healthy. Just wasn't getting utilized at all as as a deep threat or not getting targets, quality targets. Um, but this year, just not getting playing time. And the part that's discouraging for me is that we hear all this stuff about how. Oh, Mims doesn't show up in training camp and doesn't show up in practice and this and that. But like every time we see Mims play in a football game, he shows up. And that's the part that's concerning to me is it's like if they can't see that, right? Like, you know, we used to talk about like, oh, Chancey Stuckey. I bet Jet fans remember him, right? Like guy used to show up in practice all the time and he was great in practice, uh, but you'd get to a game and dude would disappear. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of Clyde, Clyde Gates. Like the, these guys, there's like, they go on and on. I'm like, Oh, this guy in training camp was great. But then the lights come on and they can't play. And so give me the guy who can play when the lights come on, like give me that guy. And and Denzel Mims has proven that, um, you know, he, he, again, if he can get more opportunities, I think this, this coaching, this coaching staff is sharp enough where they will allow him so they'll see that, right? Because we heard that he was getting more reps after the after the the Giants game at, when he had a, a big uh, fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter in that Giants game, Jets Giants preseason game. Then they were he was getting more reps in in the uh, in the practices, the the joint practices with the Packers suffered the injury, so that set him back a little bit there, but. I think that they'll respond if he responds well to the process. And I think, you know, we just have to have hope in that, but I, I would like to see him more.
Yeah, and I just think it'll open up the offense more, right? Because Crowder's not getting re-signed next year. And this is all from the, this is all going forward, right? So you have Corey Davis on one side, you have Denzel Mims on the other, and then you got Elijah Moore as your third receiver. I think that's a great three-man receiving core right there. From from what we've seen, like every time that Denzel Mims steps onto the football field, he's making a play. Every time. I don't think there's been a game besides where the last year where he doesn't get thrown the ball that he doesn't make a play while he's on the field one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's only been one game into the season, um, but yeah, he, the man should be playing more. All right, let's, let's move on. We spent a lot of time talking about the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Um, and, you know, I thought that, I thought that overall the defense played played okay. Um, I think they, that they definitely could have been better, especially early on. Uh, but in the second half, they were they were much better. Um, you know, they they were able to contain the Carolina offense a little bit more. Uh, I liked what I saw from the from the young secondary. Um, you know, they they definitely battled. Um, the one thing that I wish we. I just wish the defensive line was better. Uh, I felt like, you know, outside of like Foley Fadakasi and JFM, I felt like those guys played really well. Um, I felt like Quinnen was, he was okay. Uh, You know, I I, I don't think he played terribly, um, but I think that he definitely could have played, could have played better in that game. Um, you know he he's a guy that even even last year we saw whether he was getting doubled or he was um you know getting the attention of the opposing offensive line in a, in a scheme which we feel like didn't really accentuate what he did well he was still able to to dominate like he would there would be moments where you're like oh Quinnen Quinnen just took over this this series or this or this this possession or you know, or this game even. And I don't think we saw that from Quinnen. I think he just had one hit on, on Sam Darnold. Um, you know, I just I just wish we saw more from him because, you know, he's supposed to be the guy that gets this thing going. Uh, and I don't think that he, he did that on Sunday. No, he definitely didn't. And, you know, he's, he's recovering from an injury. So maybe it's going to take him a little bit of time. I was impressed with Lawson. Shaq Lawson, that is, who we just picked up from the Texans in that trade. He looked like he might be a player. But to your point about the defense as a whole, it's going to be hard to tell because the Panthers have CMC, who is probably the most dynamic player in the NFL right now. Like every, I was watching the game, and every time Sam Darnold got pressure, a little bit of pressure, dumped to Christian McCaffrey, or we saw a screen to – the middle screen to Christian McCaffrey, left side screen to Christian McCaffrey, or yep, McCaffrey in a slot running a shallow drag, boom, 15-yard gain, 25-yard gain. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially this week, against a team that has a young quarterback that doesn't have a Christian McCaffrey, how that defense is going to hold up, especially because New England's probably going to depend more on those wide receivers than Carolina did because of the running back that they have there. 
I mean, but just even thinking about New England, and we're going to break this game down in a little bit, so I don't want to get into it too much. But even with the, with New England, you know, they can – they're an offense or they're a team that sees, like, okay, what is this team – what is this team's deficiencies and how do we attack them there? And so they have running back – like, they have James White, who they can use in the pass game. He's not Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but they're going to pick out some of those things that the Carolina Panthers did with Christian McCaffrey in the past game. And they're going to try to exploit the Jets that way. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a game where if the Jets don't don't correct a lot of this stuff, you know, they're going to pay for it. I mean, GVR, uh, Greg Van Ron had said it from an offensive perspective. They're going to see f- stunts on the offensive line until they can prove that they can't, that they can finally stop them. And until that, teams are going to continue to roll them out. And you know, after the the ghost game last year, on Monday Night Football, that Belichick is going to attack that defensive line, especially after or the offensive line, especially after seeing what happened on on um, on Sunday with Zach Wilson basically running for his life. Yeah, I expect that to happen, but I thought. The two new young outside linebackers played well, especially Nas. Like when you look at the run fits that Nas had, he did a really good job of fitting the gap, making the tackle. Uh, Sherwood did a good job before he got hurt. And and Eccles had a really solid game. Him and him and uh Bryce Hall really did a good job, you know. Michael the, Carter as well. Um oh and I told you that when I was breaking down the game that Michael Carter is going to be a player for us because he's twitchy, he's fast, he has great instincts. And the only touchdown the Jets gave up was uh, was a uh, – I think the Jets were in a cover two with two safeties over the top and they uh, – Robbie Anderson. red one. Yeah, who seems like a nice kid, but – I don't know if he should be covering Robbie Anderson down the middle of the field. It was just funny because when they they cut that film or they where they showed the clip of Robbie Anderson <laughs> running down the middle of the defense, and at one point Sheldrick Redwine is still in his backpedal and is like still even with Robbie Anderson, and I'm like. That is not the position that you want to be in when Robbie you, Anderson. No, if you're even turn and run, turn oh, and run. It's too late at that point. You're already toast. Like Robbie with that four two speed. How about Robbie hitting us with the uh, hitting us with the Jets the Jets uh, celebration? Uh, you knew he was going to do that. He's still salty. He's still salty. I, I'm, I think you're salty. I don't. I don't hate. I'm, I'm always salty. You know that. You, I this, hate. This I, I just hate. I hate celebrations. Be Barry Sanders and Terrell uh, Davis and give the ball to the referee. Oh, Frank, I didn't know you were like 75 years old. I had no idea. Yeah, something you learn every day, my brother. Yeah, that is. this is true. That This is true. All right, let's talk about some some injuries. And the big injury on the uh, on the day here, Makai Becton. Um suffered what we thought could have been worse at the time he was carted off. We thought it could have been an ACL injury, potentially, uh, potentially season ending, but he dodged all of that. Um, 
most of it, suffered a dislocated kneecap and an MCL sprain, uh, had to have arthroscopic knee surgery, um, was placed on injured reserve, will be back uh, at some point during the season. The initial the initial timeline was four to six weeks. The Jets have a bye in week six, so that potentially give him an extra week there uh, to get ready for their week seven game against the New England Patriots. Uh, if if that timeline stays true, um, in terms of other injuries, uh, shout out to Matt Amendola by the way, because Braden Mann, who was at one point. People loved him. Then at one point during the Rams game, people hated him. Um, but anyway, Braden Man, the punter, had a, suffered a, a a knee injury, a knee sprain during the game on Sunday, and that put the kicker, the rookie undrafted free agent, Matt Amendola, kicker, uh, put him into punting duty. So uh, I thought that under the conditions, right, having not you have, I mean. Matt Amendola probably did you did you know he's never punted in a game ever? Not not in college, not in high school. Maybe maybe in youth football. But I was reading that today, and I was like, that is wild. That's wild. Um, that takes a lot of mental toughness, right there, to do something like that and to pull it off. Then he had that sixty-yard coffin corner kick. I was like, what? Or the the like his first punt, you're literally taking the ball from the end zone, like, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, Matt, it was, you know, kudos to him, but you know, the Jets do end up signing Thomas Morstead, uh, formerly of the New Orleans Saints, spent 12 years with the Saints, punting for them. He will punt for the New York Jets this year, um, for as Brady Man will be out. Lamarcus Joyner. Safety suffered a dislocated elbow. Uh, he will he will miss the end of the rest of the season here for the Jets. So what was already a thin secondary gets even thinner here for the Jets. Um, and you know ahead of this game here, oh sorry, failed to mention that uh, Jamie Sherwood also is out. The rookie linebacker who is starting on the, on the inside at linebacker. Uh, the middle linebacker position, he suffered a f- an ankle injury and he'll miss two weeks here for the Jets. And so uh, Delshawn Phillips, uh, I think I said his name correctly, Deshaun Phillips, Delshawn Phillips, uh, he's the starting linebacker here for uh, the New York Jets opposite C.J. Mosley and Homsa Nazardine. So uh, I think that is all I have in terms. Brian Cashman. You said what? Cashman. Oh, Blake Cashman also goes to injured reserve here. Uh, almost missed that one. I guess because I'm like just so used to seeing him on injured reserve that I just didn't really register that this was a new thing. Yeah, he got hurt, I think, in the first quarter. Well, wish him all the best. Um, the speedy recovery there for Mr. Blake Cashman. Um, but I think that is, I think that's all we got really. Um, Michael P. Ryan ahead of this game is questionable. Keelan Cole, who was out, uh, was a game time decision on Sunday with a knee injury. He was question. He, he is questionable this week for the game against the Patriots. Um, 
don't know if I don't think the Patriots have any significant injuries of note. Nope, they do not. And we're still uh, waiting on results from Crowder. Yeah, Crowder, who's still on the COVID, the COVID IR list. Um don't know exactly what his situation is. I would imagine that he could come back this week if he was, you know, if, if he was close last week, but he's, don't want to make va- obviously any speculation. He's, he's vaccinated, so he just needs two positive tests. Two negative tests. Yeah, correct. Sorry, I misspoke. No, understood. Um all right, I just want to make sure before we jump into this action that there's no weather concerns, uh, especially because that is we're vested in that information. As yeah, there better the two, not be the two hosts here of the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast will be at MetLife Stadium, aka JetLife Stadium, to boots on the ground watching this game. Um, Drinking, tailgating. So if you're in the area, if you're at the tailgate, if you're at the stadium, you're going to the game, hit us up, DM us. We'll, we'd love to meet up with, with some of the fans of the show, people, uh, if we haven't met you guys already. Um, but we would love to meet up with y'all. Uh, lot M3, uh, that's where we'll be at. So definitely uh, look forward to seeing y'all. We'll be wearing... I'll, probably, I'll definitely have my Now We Have Liftoff t-shirt on. I don't want to speak for Frank. Oh, I will. I'll, oh, I'll have it I know on. I'll have mine on. I'll, I'll throw a jersey on one of these one of these jerseys behind me on before before we head into the stadium. Um, trying to be, I'm trying to I'm trying to wait and see if the Jets are going to do uh, some kind of, you know, sometimes we knew they'd do a whiteout, um, especially in September. Uh, so I'm curious. No, it's Gotham Green. It's Gotham wait. Green. Yeah, they said the – because they announced it. Uh, earlier today because the Empire State Building is going to be lit up Gotham Green on Friday night. That makes sense. So uh, unless I get a new jersey behind me, uh, I will be wearing my green Mackay Becton. But who knows? Maybe I'll have a new one by Sunday. Um, But anyway, let's break down the action ahead of us. And so, Frank, the Jets are taking on the New England Patriots, who are traveling here to MetLife Stadium. This game here has a 42-and-a-half point over under. This game has a five. The Jets are five-and-a-half point underdogs, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. So, Frank, where are you at with this game? What are your overall thoughts, and what do you think are – what do you think the Jets have to do to win this game? First and foremost, they have to run the ball. They have to be effective of moving that line of scrimmage to give Zach Wilson, because I think that's where Zach Wilson's going to excel is in those second and shorts and third and shorts where he's not going to have a lot of pressure in his face. Yeah, he's good at doing those Aaron Rodgers type of throws where he's getting out of the pocket and making those ridiculous flicks with his wrists 40 yards downfield. But I don't think that's where he's going to excel this year. I think they need to give him a clean pocket. I think they need to run the ball. And honestly, if I'm the Jets, I'm giving Ty Johnson the majority of these rushing attempts this week. 
against that defense because Dante Hightower is going to be all over the field. And I don't trust any of the other running backs to be able to withstand that beating potentially that he will be able to deliver. Yeah, I I definitely think that it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, Bill Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks is, is pretty good. Um, It's one of the best, but if you look at the record of Jets rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick, um, you know, I think, you know, Geno Smith got a win. Mark Sanchez got a win. Um, Sam Darnold did not get a win, but Zach Wilson has an opportunity here to potentially get a win against Belichick. Um, It would definitely be tough, but the one thing that Zach Wilson doesn't have that these other three quarterbacks had to before him had to go through was they had to go face Tom Brady. This time, Zach Wilson will be facing a fellow rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, who had a pretty good debut himself for the New England Patriots. Uh, believe the stat was that of quarterbacks of rookie quarterbacks in their first start to attempt thirty pass attempts. He had the highest completion percentage, uh, just over 74%. Uh, Not surprising there. Mac Jones is accurate. We know this. Um, Curious to see. I mean, the the New England Patriots have a really good offensive line, like very good offensive line. So definitely curious to see what it would look like, uh, what, you know, what he'll look like facing some pressure if this Jets D line can get pressure. Cause I think that will be the key there. Uh, the Patriots, they're going to want to run the ball, but they're also going to play action, throw the ball over your head. They're going to get their tight ends involved. And so you have to, I think the defensive line, you have to stop the run with those four, those front four defensive linemen. They've got to really just, muck stuff up all day uh, for make make life tough for the run game and really just bring that pressure that they were bringing. I mean, the Je- Jeff Ulbrich, he blitzes a lot, man. I mean, I don't have the numbers here, but just watching it, he was bringing pressure on second down. He's bringing pressure on third down. Uh, so I think if we can get into some of these exotic packages that he was showing uh, on, on Sunday, I think that that you know the Jets definitely will have a chance here in terms of the game and and where I'm going here um I 45 point 45 and a half points I mean I don't I don't I honestly don't see a lot of points being scored in this game uh especially if the offensive line struggles the way it, it did then there's not there's no way there could be a lot of points in this game so I'm going to go with the under here um I do think that the Jets can cover five and a half uh, I, I definitely think that Zach Wilson's a good enough quarterback. I think that the coachings, the, these teams are relatively matched enough that this that this game should be close and it should go down into the wire into the fourth quarter. But I do think that ultimately the New England Patriots will win just because you know their roster is a bit better than ours right now. Uh, you know they got veterans all over their defense. Their offensive line is better than ours. Um, Bill Belichick is still, uh, I know, in my opinion, he's he's the greatest coach ever. So 
uh, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be tough, a tough game for the Jets to win. Yeah, I want to disagree with you there, but I think it's going to be tough sledding. I think the only chance the Jets have is that Mac Jones has a rookie type of game. Because, like you said earlier, Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks, it's not even close. He just feasts on them. And what Bill Belichick does better than anybody, he just amplifies of what you're not good at, and he attacks that. So I expect to see stunts. I expect to see screens on the defensive side. And I think this game it really is going to come down to who's going to be playing that slot cornerback because the Jets don't have Ashton Davis. They don't have Joyner. Are they are they going to move Michael Carter maybe to safety and put somebody and put Gidry in that spot? Like if it was me, that'd probably be the best bet for this week, but. I'm not too sure what Ulbrich and Salah's plans are. Yeah, it's definitely um, definitely intriguing to see what they do. I know that was something that we talked about. Michael Carter is a guy that at Duke played some safety, played some corner, so the Jets thought he could make a pretty good nickel. Uh, I had said to you earlier in the week, Frank, that he kind of reminds me of Dwight Lowry a little bit. Uh, I don't know if Jet fans remember Dwight Lowry. He was on – he was drafted by Eric Mangini, uh, I believe, in 2008. Uh, I think it was 2008, but he was drafted by Mangini, uh, was you know stuck around for the Rex years, and in 2010 ends up starting some games at safety for the Jets. Um, you know, ends up signing a free agent contract with Cleveland, but he was a guy that came into the league as a nickel. Ended up playing some safety, uh, had a, had a long career at safety, and I think Michael Carter the second can can do something similar. So I'm all over, uh, you know, the idea of Michael Carter potentially starting a game here at safety. I mean, it, it is it is going to be tough, right? Because you're going to ask a guy his second NFL start to like say, "Hey, let's move you over to safety." Um, so you know, it, it's definitely I'm definitely curious to see how they do. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine, if he's the, the deep free safety, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is going to go bananas, bonkers on Sunday potentially if if that's the case, because um, they saw what what Robbie Anderson did in that cover two look. Uh, if they get that again, uh, Mac Jones is not going to hesitate. that or that or you don't play cover two. You got to play cover three solely. Yeah, yeah, you can't, I, I you can't go into cover two. I doubt they do that, right? Because uh, you know that's not that's not who Sala and and Ulbrich are. At least we don't we don't really know, right? Because we haven't we have we've seen we've seen one game. We have a very small sample size, so we'll definitely see what they. We're you know hoping to see what they do because Red Wine's definitely not it. Um, cool name though, I like I like me some Red Wine. As do I. Yeah. Um. All right, man. So. Are you taking the Jets against the spread, though? I don't think you said that. Yeah, I think they're going to cover, but I think the Pats are going to end up winning the game, which is unfortunate because we're going to be there. Yeah. I mean, they're both 0-1. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll be a good barometer. It'll be a good test. 
Yeah, but at the end of the day, right, like this year, how I'm looking at it is I want to see the Jets be competitive in these early games and really t- take strides after that bye week. And that's that's exactly what we had talked about when we did the, the schedule breakdown, right? This is kind of we talked about that the Jets could start 0-2. I think you you would thought that they would start out one and zero. I was pretty, I was pretty sure that they'd be zero and two. Um, I don't even know who they play next week. I'll pull it up right now. Uh, they played Denver, so um, yeah, we'll talk about Denver when we get to Denver. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. To, I'm just excited to watch this team grow. I mean, this is a young team, um, you know, the youngest team in the league, and so. But when you're young, you grow at a faster you grow at a fast rate because your learning curve, uh, you have more room to grow. And so, uh, if they can take these playing these playing time opportunities and they can grow from them and they can learn from them, especially the guys like Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter and you know uh, Brandon Echols, like those guys, the guys that are going to be Michael Carter the second, these guys that. Hamza, uh, Jamie and Sherwood, the guys that are going to be like main contributors, these guys that are main contributors on day one. I mean, let's think about that. Let's talk about that for a second. You have eight. I just named eight rookies that contributed significant action, played significant action in the game on Sunday. They were all starters. All starters, with the exception of maybe Michael Carter, with the exception of Michael Carter, right? All these guys were starters, right? Like, at their respective positions in their first NFL game. And some of these guys, Hamza, Sherwood, Eccles, Carter, they're drafted after round four. Like, like three of them changed positions in, in Sherwood, Sherwood, Hamza and Michael Carter, the second. So this is, this is a very, very cool thing that the Jets are doing. I think that you also have to, as Jet fans, we have to be realistic. Obviously, we, you know, I'm I'm a Jets fan just like everybody else. And when I sat there on Sunday, I was rooting as hard for the Jets as anybody else. And I was convincing myself that they were going to win. And every call against them was a bad call because that's what we do as fans. But on the outside looking in, or not the outside looking in, because I'm on the inside, but I, I have to, we have to take that you know, step out and, and really look at it from, from an outwards point of view. This is a young team. They're going to struggle, right? It's not about that, you know, it's great to win, to beat a team 35, nothing, but that doesn't happen in the NFL. You're, you're very rarely going to going to beat a, a team 35 to nothing. You are going to have to show up and you're going to have to win on third down. You're going to have to do the small things just to get an edge. So you can win a four five, six point game. That's what you have to do in the NFL. And so um, it will get there eventually. The team will get there. They have to grow. They have to learn. But it's going to take some time. But just have fun with it. Enjoy it. Be confident that we have the right the, the right head coach and the right GM, hopefully, and, and the right quarterback, it seems. So, let you know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but it's just one game. But the kid, he showed what we thought he would show prior to getting drafted. And so everything has kind of been a check a check mark to this point where it's like okay, 
uh, how did the, how did the tape look in the draft or you know pre-draft? Looks good. Okay, what are what are you know what are people in the know saying? Like the you know the people who evaluate quarterbacks for a living, what are they saying? Okay, most of them are saying good things. Well, you know, okay, how does he look in the preseason? What are the beat reporters saying? Good things. Okay, how does he look in a preseason game? Good things. How do you look in his first NFL game? Good things. There's not been a point where you're like, I'm worried about Zach Wilson. So let's be let's be excited. Let's let's look, let's be optimistic here, but also be realistic. Yeah, man. We said it in the offseason, right? It's gonna take some patience here. Like McCagnan really screwed the pooch on this one when you talk about the cupboard being barren. Like it's gonna take it was going to take Douglas a couple years to get his guys in, to change the culture, to guys not getting comfortable with losing so much where things are going to start to change. And I'm hoping by week six to week eight, we start seeing seeing it. You know, I hope the Jets win this week, but it's going to be tough sledding. Even next week against Denver. Denver's got a great defense. And look what they just did to the Giants' offensive line. And I don't think our offensive line is too much better at this point in time. Yeah, and hopefully, like you know, uh, Greg Van Ron said during his press conference today, hopefully it's attributed that it's attributed to the issues that they're having with communication, and and that's really the problem. And and you know they will in fact get better, um, but we won't know until we play more games, until they play more games. So we'll have to find out. But Frank. We know we could do this literally all day. Uh, so for the sake of our listeners, let's wrap this up here. Um, we both picked the Jets to win. What is going to be your lock of the week? I think you picked first last week. So it probably would only be fair for me to pick first this week. Age before beauty, my brother. Aren't you older than me, bro? I'm not sure. I'm going with you're older for the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, no, you're definitely older. Um, my lock of the week here, I'm actually going to go with, I just had it. Where was it? I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns going up against the Houston Texans. Oh, I know that one hurts. Uh, Cleveland Browns are 12 and a half point favorites here. So uh, maybe that line moved, but the time I saw it was 12 and a half. That's a pretty big win, a pretty big line, especially the way that the Houston Texans uh, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yeah, that's the that's the one I'm going with, Frank. So what do you got? Well, being that you just stole that from me, I believe I told you that earlier. That was going to be my lock. You literally never told me that. Don't lie. Don't lie on my <laughs> podcast, bro. <laughs> But I'm going to go with the Packers over the Lions. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play angry out of his mind after the dud that he showed last or last Sunday. So I'm going to go Packers over the Lions. Dang, that is a, that is definitely a good one for sure. Uh, 100% a good one. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap this up right here. Uh, but we will hopefully see you on Sunday at Jets Patriots and make sure you come say hi John June Frank Jim Piccolo make sure you lot subscribe. M3 lot M3 
make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever other podcasts that you could be listening. So, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you. We love you. We'll see y'all on Sunday, hopefully. If not, we'll see y'all and we'll hear from us next Tuesday when we record our recap and the look ahead to the Denver Broncos. Have a good one, everybody, and we are out of here. Much love, everybody. Thank you.